Welcome to another episode of the Light Bowl Factory, conversation centered on the church becoming the light of the world. We are back again today with another discussion episode, and here with co-host Clay Dominey. Hey, 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 what's poppin', y'all? Amen. And then now we also have another guest with us today, uh, Meg Palin. Meg, how you doing? Oh, I'm good. Good, good, good. So Meg, for those that may not uh, know you personally, you want to tell us a little bit about yourself? Yeah. Okay, so I'm a senior at Baylor University, graduating in May. Who? Uh, yes, I'm a university scholars major, majoring or concentrating in philosophy and leadership. Yeah. And yeah, I'm from Arkansas. Awesome. I like outdoor stuff. Yeah. Rock on, nice. rock on. Where in Arkansas? Northwest Bentonville. Home yeah. of Area. Walmart. Yes, <laughs> it, it is. Do you, um, do you, what would your like ideal Saturday of the outdoors be? You know, like where would you be and what would you be doing there? Probably mountain biking. Ooh. Super fun. I took a class on it and I don't have a mountain bike, but I have a friend that has several. So mm-hmm. she lets me borrow some. Cool. Or one sometimes. Yeah, that's a lot of fun. We have good trails. Where would you mountain bike? There's, um, I forget what it's called. It's like by the square. They have like a lot of trails off there. Okay. Some fun jumps. Like you can just do an entry like into like a park. But yeah, I've done some around Cameron Park too in Waco um, for the class. That was fun. I've like cracked too many ribs, scraped too many shins to go ever go mountain biking again. So I respect the heck out of anybody who does it. <laughs> I'm just lame and afraid. So <laughs> <laughs> no excuse. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Well, today we are getting back into our discussion about the rule of life that we've been tracking in the last few weeks. We're kind of going with a new practice every week. And today we are transitioning from the first uh, set of practices, which all had to do with belonging and community. I was befriending a family um, at church that was building, wanting to build up the body and eat meals with others in the community. And today we're transitioning to uh, the second circle, which is all about um, pursuing a daily faith. And so we'll have another three uh, sets uh, set of practice, three practices to uh, to explore in this one as well. And the first one, uh, I'll let Clay introduce it for today. Absolutely. The first practice that we want to get into is limiting our screen time, controlling what controlling our phones and how much attention we give them. And so I wanted to start by asking Meg. Why why sign up to talk about this? Why talk about limiting screen time? So it's kind of like, you know, not I mean, it makes us kind of, kind of like old men and old women, like our parents, right. like, get off your dang phone. Clay, you can't play Xbox 10 hours a day, um, hypothetically speaking. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, so why, why talk about limiting screen time? I think because it just is such a problem with, like, college students and, like, their high screen times. Everyone's always, like, oh, I'm so stressed, I have so much to do. And you look at their screen time and it's like eight or more hours a day yeah. for some time. And I'm mm-hmm. like, there's a reason you're stressed or yeah. whatever. And I'm like, I've, I've, I've been bad at screen time too, a lot yeah. of the time. Sure. But yeah, I think um, in the previous podcast, I think it was the um, food and community. You also talked about like the loneliness. Yeah. And I think that that's like a big reason, like a lot of people nowadays are super lonely and i think the screen time has a lot to do with that Mm -hmm. yeah that's absolutely right and uh i i find that to be one of the most ironic things what you just said is that we think we don't have time for anything and then we look at our uh you know our settings and we, we see how many hours we're we're 
every day spinning on doing things that, I mean, some of it matters, but some of it certainly <laughs> does not, you know? And it's like, how do we not, how are we not smart enough to figure this out? You know, it just feels like that's where all the time is going, but yet it, somehow it escapes us and it makes, uh, it's, it has a way of making us feel more productive. I think our phones do like we can be any spare moment can be used to like do something, you know, check an email, uh, finish up portal, you know, yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, whatever it is. Um, and yet this like felt, uh, this idea that we, we feel productive, um, is ironically not helping us get maybe done the things that matter, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think it's, um, yeah, it certainly distracts us and keep, and it gives our attention to things that really don't matter. Like one of the most helpful and also most terrifying and insulting things Apple has ever done is given me a weekly screen report. Yeah. <laughs> like, like, you know, at first, like, I think it started coming out at the start of the pandemic when everyone's in quarantine and, well, there's not a whole lot to do in your home. And I'd like look at him like, oh, hey, what well, do you know? I spent four hours on my phone each day this week. That's not terrible. And like the next week, it's like, oh, five hours, five and a half, six. And I think my max is like six and a half or seven hours on my phone a day. I'm like, okay, that's over a quarter of the day. What on earth am I doing? And I look yeah. and it's like all just Instagram. Mm-hmm. Like I'd get on and I'd like, no, it's like checking the fridge when you know there's no food in there. It's like you get on Instagram, even when you know there's no new content, you're just kind of like, looking for something to do until you grab your phone and yeah and i think it's yeah it's fascinating thing what we give our attention to whenever we open our phones yeah it's uh it's interesting because you know if the word that we're using here is to control our screen time um i've been practicing this phrase that like we have to control our screen time before our screen controls us you know um Mm -hmm. and i guess i wonder like have you have you experienced it that way that it feels like you know because uh, I think I have where I don't know if I'm actually in control anymore <laughs> that I'm being c- controlled have y'all yeah. is that resonate at all mm-hmm. yeah. yeah I I don't know if you all have watched like the documentary on Netflix it was called like something about technology but it talked to something about that it was like yeah our phones we were meant to use them as tools but now people are they're using us they're like everything we do on them is like grabbing our attention like the notifications it's like you see it and you open it it's just like habit and it is controlling you it's like it's doing whatever it can to keep you on your phone like oh you pick it up and so I've had to like like with the Instagram scrolling or whatever it would be like just habit like open my phone I don't even know what I'm doing Instagram like oh just like scrolling and so I've had to sometimes like move the app to like make it more of a yeah. conscious decision. Oh, I'm going on Instagram now instead of just like habit. I've done that too. And it's, it scares me how after a little while I get used to being in the new place. And then my mind just like finds it in that place too. You yeah. know, maybe I just need to keep moving around. Mm-hmm. But yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I do think it's, um, it's fascinating that the companies like phone producers, app producers, they're the way they make money is keeping us on our phones longer. And so it's what it, the phone has become, like a marketplace for our attention. Um, that if we're attentive to it, if we're giving our giving this our time, app producers are making more money off of it. Um, like, this is an example. Um, like my friend recently bought, uh, bought 2K, the new like basketball video game. And it's become like an open world concept where there are tons of pointless things that you have to do that don't actually relate to the game at all, but they keep you in playing it longer. 
so that way ad companies like Ruffles or Gatorade who have ads mm. in the game get more time, get more money from you be spending more time in the game. And so I kind of wow. find it, I find it fascinating and both I and ironic in a lot of ways that Netflix is the company that released a documentary about how much attention our phones are controlling, yeah. are taking from us. It was mm. good though. It was like eye opening. I was like, wow. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And it's interesting how like, uh, like for example, Apple right now, like I, I just recently got a new phone or iOS and maybe I'm way lit to the party, but it's new to me is that they have like these new like focus features, you know, where um, they're, they have like a whole system now that is like, if you want to focus, here are some ways that you can sort of set limits or restrictions on yourself so that you can better work, you know, like maybe your phone won't ping notifications during these hours of the day, like that kind of thing. And so like on the outset, it's like, oh, like, you know, you're not the bad guy, you're the good guy, you're, you're trying to like help me focus. Um, and, and I think, I wonder how genuine it is part of part of me the cynic does you know because we do know that at the end of the day um, the system itself and the default way most people are going to use it is not going to be towards the trajectory of focus and self-care it's going to be towards you know excess and towards more money in the pocket mm -hmm. right. yeah yeah and so and I know we throughout this whole series we've been talking a lot about formation and the way our habits yeah. form us and like the nature of habit is just, is something that you give your time to and you're consistent with it. So, and Meg, I think you touched on this earlier. What what habits are our phones creating in us and how are those habits forming us? I guess the habits would be just like picking it up randomly. I mean, like throughout the day, I think a big one I think of is like people use their phone a lot to avoid uncomfortable situations or like awkward situations. So like you're walking down the hall, you see someone, you're like, oh, okay, like... I don't want to acknowledge this person or like you're in a room, you don't know anyone, you're on your phone, which again, like stops some of the connection that could be happening. So I think that that's a habit that kind of keeps people in like loneliness and in that cycle. Mm -hmm. And it's just like kind of a way to escape and avoid life a lot mm -hmm. of times. Mm -hmm. I think about lines and how uh, the places in life that we have to stand in them maybe on a college campus, a big one would be like, you know, the dining hall, you know, or uh, if you're in line to get tickets for a sporting event or something like that, or uh, anywhere you're in a line, um, you know, the default habit is going to be just, you see a line of people all on their phone kind of in a row. Mm -hmm. um, I think probably in our parents' generation, those people would have been talking with one another. They would have been uh, making connections, introducing themselves, joking around, you know, whatever else. And, uh, and so I just, I think I see that as like a good example of like a lost opportunity. Probably the same thing applies to like showing up to class a couple of minutes before it starts, you know, and you're waiting for things to get going, you know, phone. Is that, is that fair? Is what people yeah. do, you know, mm -hmm. and another opportunity when before conversation and relationships were, were happening. So I think it's maybe a lot of the dead space, you know, that we, uh, that we, we just turn right to there out of instinct. Yeah. yeah. That's what I was thinking about with the, the other podcast on like meals with people it's like yeah. phones are an alternative way to like oh i can watch a tv show or something while i'm eating and that's like my way to just like have a break instead of like actually doing it with people yeah mm -hmm. i noticed like in my own life i am horrible just horrible at talking to strangers just casually mm. like and i th and i think that's 
like people nowadays people don't talk to strangers unless they have to right like you're <coughs> at a restaurant and a waitress comes by to take your order you, well, you have to say something you can't just ignore them you can't right. get on your phone and just tweet your order which actually now you can you can just skip <laughs> the process of a waitress altogether now um but i think what that does is it makes a lot of our uh conversations with like real people around us um just unfortunate necessities or just strictly transactional like this person is has to swipe my Baylor ID so I can get into the meal plan, say hello, they'll swipe it, I'll go on my way. I say hi, they swipe, I say bye. It's a transactional interaction now instead of something that could actually be um that could actually be life giving and a real real connection that you have with people. Mm. Um what, what concerns me about that is how I feel like we come to a place where the normal behavior is, you know, again, to be on your phone. Um and so if you if one breaks that habit and talks to a stranger, that's weird. Yeah. <laughs> that's irregular. You're like, why are you doing this? You know, go back to being on your phone like all the rest of us are. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, that's uh, that's that's concerning, and yet, you know, and yet we're surprised that maybe we're lonely and uh, as as a culture, you know, it 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 all adds up. Yeah. yeah, I think our phones form us. Like we've mentioned, they form us into loneliness. I think they also form us, um, I'd be willing to say, into into anxiety, into anxiousness, and um, like maybe any other type of mental health. And I say that because we've already said our phones make us lonely. And, um, well, how do we escape this feeling of loneliness so we don't, we don't talk to people anymore? We look for, look for, I think Meg mentioned it, we look for escapes, um, be it through watching Netflix or just getting on... Um, getting on social media. And I think one of my, the favorite ways that I've heard a phone described is in John Mark Comer's book, Ruthless Elimination of Hurry. Our phones are instant dopamine dispensers. Like you're feeling bummed, a little stressed out, pull out your phone, quick hit. All right, go to the next part of your day. And it's, um, it's like, it's these little quick hits and dopamine triggers in our brain that app, like app producers are well aware that our phones do this to us. Absolutely. They trigger like the short term pleasure responses. Um, that we keep coming back to and it kind of it deprives us of any real joy and any real connection um in the world whenever we just keep going back to these quick hits of dopamine yeah i think it's also not real rest like we use it as a break or like to relax but if i spend like a good chunk of the day on my phone i never feel like rested or like Mm. peaceful or like truly happy or joyful or anything it's more like i did nothing all day like this is this is horrible and even scrolling through instagram i'm like that's supposed to be a relaxing activity but like you'll see someone's comment or post and it's like just stupid and you're just like these people are just it makes me (laughs) mad and i'm like this isn't relaxing i'm like i don't need to be continually seeing things that just cause anger or stress or anything like that yeah Mm -hmm. yeah that's right. It's not uh, it's not neutral sort of content or it's not as if we just, you know, get on Instagram and hear the sounds of the ocean, you know, right. <laughs> you know, that's that's not what's there. Yeah, what's there is reality. Uh, I mean, reality of people's lives that um, and sometimes it upsets us and sometimes it, you know, makes us jealous and uh, creates all kinds of feelings inside. And so it's not neutral activity we're engaging in when we when we scroll. Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. And I think, and I think social media is just getting, getting worse at this. I I hate TikTok. I think it's like 
the scourge of scourge of nations, scourge of mankind, <laughs> um, a terror upon the earth. But like you get on it, and it's just kind of like these very short, very most of the time very stupid videos that just do the quick, quick hit and you're done, move on to the next one. Um, and yeah, I don't. I'm not a Calvinist, but I get on TikTok and I'm like, you know, John Calvin may have had a few points. <laughs> about total depravity. Yeah, he may have been <laughs> right about that one. <laughs> but um, Yeah, I think with stuff like TikTok, it's like just addicting and like takes away your attention span from like more things. Like I've watched yeah. older movies too and they like sometimes take so long to develop like the plot and I'm just yeah. like, oh, like I can't even fully enjoy this. And I'm like, that's probably just because we as a society have like just gotten shorter and shorter attention spans which like are harmful to like just conversations with people or anything we're just like we want the next thing continuously like Mm -hmm. yeah that's right and i think uh i know twitter's not you know um as maybe popular as it was even a few years ago but uh but you know the whole you know 140 character thing about uh these little sound bites that you're getting in little chunks um i read somebody uh over the last a year or two ago that that suggested like hey instead of reading twitter um and getting these little soundbite uh arguments uh, start reading um articles or even even better reading books because the way your brain engages is totally different when you have to like understand comprehend piece together a long form argument you know that you're trying to follow and take in and react to um it it makes you smarter for one because you're um because of the, you know, the nature of what you're reading. And so I think that I found that to be a good practice is like avoid like just short, hot fired opinions and and try to read things that are more long form. Something that I want to hit on is that um, in terms of formation, human beings are formed by the stories that we hear that we're, that we're told and that we tell others we really do live and die by narratives um and i mean if you see, you see that just going in and reading the bible that all of creation is one big narrative it starts with in the beginning when the, all this whole thing is created mankind's fallen things of everything has fallen um but god redeems us he, do, he brings israel into covenant with him he sends his son to die on the cross, brings everyone into covenant with him through the church, and he's continuing to work for the total redemption of all things. And that's kind of, that's the story that we live by and that we as Christians tell ourselves. It's how we make sense of our lives, make sense of the past, make sense of the present, and make sense of the future. And one of the dangers that I see in, um, in the way technology forms us is that it's forming us by telling us alternative stories to live by like um well you could pick anything like you have like the story would be you have meaning if you wear these clothes drive this car or you have meaning if you can craft the perfect instagram post Mm -hmm. um or you know worst case worst worst of all i think that we're being formed into a storyless reality uh, whenever we get on social media. I think and that's especially true of something like TikTok, where it's like quick 15-second um, vignettes that that they may tell a story, or they they may not. It may just be a thing that we watch and move on to the next. And I think that's why it's incredibly important to read books and think about 
like long-term arguments is because these long stories are just how how we're designed to think, how we're designed to understand reality. I don't know. What do y'all think about that? I think that I think you're right, and I think that even the mindless stuff uh, has a story too. Sometimes that um, that we're being told the story that you exist uh, to be entertained. You know, uh, we're being told you uh, that the, the goal of being human is to be to happy and to be happy to seek out pleasure. You know, um, again to be entertained, and so uh, and so I think that's a very different story than the story of, of the Bible that talks about like, hey, why do people exist? You know, um, we exist to, to serve God and serve others, you know, to reflect God's love into the world. Um, if that's the purpose that I exist, then uh, that's going to affect my practices, my day-to-day living. Um, I'm not going to, pr- being entertained is not going to be a priority that governs, you know, um, I'm still, you know, sure, we're human. We exist to enjoy the world as well. Mm-hmm. You know, entertainment is not bad, but it's not going to be at the top of my priority list. I'm going to understand my vocation, my mission, if you will, in a different way. And so, um, yeah, I think that what scares me about it is that even the mindless stuff that just feels dumb and pointless uh, is still forming us into some kind of story, too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I'm, Meg, I'm glad we've got a philosophy major right here because I think um, for those of you who have been uh, fortunate enough to read The Republic or if you've been forced to read it by unfortunate happenstance, um, one of the things Plato talks about a lot is like actually carefully controlling the stories that people in a city are allowed to hear. Like you see censorship is a good thing because if you if a story tells you a lie, well, it's now it's now formed you into that lie whether you kind of accept it or not, um, the stories you listen to are dangerous. They have a profound impact on us. Um, like listening to stories that say that, you know, some that evil wins in the end, that's not a good story to listen to because um, it's a lot. It's not true. Yeah, I think that they can just be really warming. Like even if you know it might not be true, you just hear someone saying something on TikTok and you're like, maybe subconsciously you're like, oh yeah, that's true. Even though you don't have any facts or anything to back it up with, which is like super dangerous. So like with like reading the Bible or whatever you do, it's like warming you. So if you're spending more time with technology and just like on your phone, then that's going to be what's warming you. There was like a quote, I don't remember who it was by, but it was like, show me where you spend your money and how you spend your time and I'll show you what you care about. And I'm like, yeah, "Yeah, like, yeah, that's exactly right. And some of those like subtle messages we pick up or, you know, things about like, we can start believing like I'm, I'm worthless, you know, or I don't have much to offer the world or I'm boring and everyone else is so interesting, you know, just (laughs) as we scroll and see their lives. And, and so it's, uh, it's not sometimes like just abstract deep, you know, um, you know, intellectual sounding stuff. It's the very little, like simple lies that just get dug underneath our skin, you know, and, uh, and that scripture can help us remind us of of who we are and whose we are and why we're here. Um, and I think that's a big part of that counter formation. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So if technology is forming us in this downward spiral, how, what exactly counter forms us? We talk about reading scripture, but how do we how do we form ourselves positively and what, what would that look like whenever we do? I think maybe just replacing 
some of the time you use on your phone with just more productive things helps a lot. Like, I'll think of like social media fasts or something. And mm-hmm. it's like if I tell myself, okay, I'm not going to do anything on my phone except for like what I need, like email and like respond to text messages or something. And I'm like those days, like if I know I set aside that time, I'll end up doing more productive things. And those are usually like my favorite days. I'm like, oh, I did so much. Like I spent a lot of time with God, like with friends. And it was just like a super productive day. I'm like there are a lot of things I always could be doing. Like I could be like reorganizing something or like cleaning or just like cooking or like spending time with friends or like getting caught up on stuff or spending more time with God. And I'm like, all of those are more productive things than like I could be doing if I'm wasting my time on social media or something. Yeah. One of my um, favorite quotes um, is a quote by Blaise Pascal who said that all of man's problems stem from the fact that he cannot sit by himself in a room. Um, And I think, yeah, even even just just getting off of social media and sitting in a room and really just not doing a single thing, but just be there with your own thoughts. It's daunting, but um, it's actually a really important path to just happiness, fulfillment, and just being content with yourself. Um, And whenever you like see, look for the nearest distraction, that quick dopamine hit from your phone, I think you lose something really valuable in, like just staring at a wall. Like I think Justin early said, like, and I don't, I don't check my, check my phone whenever I, I come home. I use that time for more important things like staring at walls. <laughs> um, I chuckled a little, little bit when I read that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think, I think in terms of like steps to, to take, um, part of it is just the self-awareness of, of the current reality. You know, um, I think that it's, worth every person doing a sort of self autopsy, you know, of your own habits where you go into those settings, you, you know, not just look at the total hours, but the, the details of it, like, okay, this is how much time is going into Instagram, TikTok, what are, what are the biggest culprits, you know, on your phone, you know? Um, and, uh, one of the things that I don't know my stats, I've got to look them up later, but one of the things that I'm trying to pay more attention to is like pickups per day, you know, cause your phone will tell you how many times you pick it up and look at it. And, uh, and then of course you can kind of like divide, you know, how many hours was I awake and then, you know, how many, how many, you know, times per hour and, you know, therefore how many minutes on average am I going in between a phone pickup? And I think that that's probably an alarming thing for most people to think about. Um, and so, uh, I, I think, you know, once I look at my stats, I'm probably going to be a little alarmed myself. And so, um, that's something that, uh, that really is revealing, I think about, how my brain is so easily rewired into revolving around my phone. You know, like, what are those messages I haven't replied to yet? What are those emails that, you know, that I need, still need to get back to somebody about? You know, what's somebody DM'd me like, oh, did I did I read that? You know, like, all of a sudden, so much of my thinking processes throughout the day can be governed by what I need to do next time I'm on my phone. <laughs> it's, it's scary. And so... Um, and so I think the self-autopsy just kind of reveals reality and makes you face it and look it in the eye. Um, and then you have an opportunity from there to make some changes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, I think a time audit is super helpful. Yeah, just in like what good you language. Do with, your, do with your day and what you do on your phone. And I know, like for me, whenever I first started thinking about this, my immediate reaction was like, well, 
never touching my phone again. I'm never watching Netflix or Hulu ever again. I'm going to go be a monk and live in the mountains. I'll just, society has seen the last of me. And that's not really um, a realistic option. Right. Is to like never, to never watch TV again, to never watch. I mean, I know people who do, who just like, oh yeah, I don't, I don't watch TV. I don't, I don't watch movies. What's, what's on right now? I don't check my phone um, and things like that. Um, one thing that's helpful well, was helpful for me to think about, and I loved that Justin really talked about this, was this idea of curation. Um, one, it's it's limiting using the time on it and limiting the time that uh, you spend on your phone. But it's also looking like if I have only have this amount of time that I'm on my phone and that I'm using technology, using a screen, what I want to fill that with? Like, do I want to fill that with Instagram or TikTok, or do I want to fill it with um, like really? really good stuff like reading reading articles um that tell us about the world and hearing those long arguments or watching you know beautiful movies or you know reading amazing books and i think that's um those are much better things than and much more formative healthily formative things than spending time on instagram or so on and so forth Mm mm-hmm I think just practically the the practice of keeping your phone uh, away from you for like an hour block a day is is really um, practical. Um, just to stick it in your sock drawer, you know, and forget it's there, and um, it kind of helps remind you that like you're like, oh wait, what well, if somebody needs me? Like, well, I mean, ninety nine point nine percent likely, you know, no emergencies are going to happen in that hour. Uh, you're going to come back, and everything's going to be okay. The world is still spinning, you know. And you're going to be in a better place because of how you've escaped from the prison (laughs) that you're carrying around you in your pocket every day. And so I think that's a helpful uh, practice just to adopt. Yeah, I think putting it away is the best thing for me, too, because a lot of the time if I don't have it, I don't think about using it even like I might like if it's there, I'll be like, oh, I'll pick it up just out of habit. But like I worked at a camp one summer and like we just couldn't have our phones like just as we were working because like the kids couldn't and they were like they want us to be a model and all that stuff but um those were like some of the best days because I like I didn't even think about it like I didn't miss it it's never something that I miss I'm like it's like freeing but then when I come back to reality and like not working at a camp like where everyone has their phones it's like oh I have to have it now so then I kind of feel just stuck with it mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah so what's been your experience in trying to limit screen time um, in this... As I ironically look at my phone. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> As you, like, you've come back to the non-camp world, the quote-unquote mm-hmm. real world. I have tried to do the limits that, like, Apple gives you. They're like, oh, limit this certain app or whatever. And those have not worked for me. Like, I don't know if they have worked for other people, but I just, like, I always just, like, stop the limit. I'm like, okay, I'm still using this app. I'm not going to pay attention to that. So, like... The most helpful things I think have been like, as I said earlier, like moving the app because that just makes me think more about it. Um, But then also just, yeah, putting it away or like trying to um, do more useful things. Like I think there are useful things and it can be used for connecting people or connecting with people. But yeah, just a lot of the time it isn't. And there's not really a great answer for that because it is like so tied up in like who we are now as we as we've grown up with technology but i think there are some things that we can do to like just replace it or replace technology with mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
I'm a pretty goal oriented person and I really like numbers. And so, um, if I can, first of all, define reality and then put a like identify a numerical goal of like, okay, if I'm at four hours, I want to be at three hours, you know, or if I'm at, uh, you know, I don't even know what it is. 75 pickups in a day, you know, I want to be at 60, you know, um, and then I can kind of like keep checking back to see if I'm like reaching my goal and, and limiting it. That helps me um, just because that's kind of how I'm wired. And uh, and I think another thing is just involving other people, you know, um, you know, some of our groups throughout the week, I think do a good job of um, just talking regularly about these things and checking in with each other and how it's going. And I think that that helps a lot, just knowing that there's other people that are invested in your journey. Absolutely. I, have like I've loved the practice of um just turning your phone off for like an hour and putting it in another room and it feels like it feels like another like a person's just gone like has left the room like they've walked out like you're not going to be intruded on and it's the first time first few times you do it it's kind of scary um because it's like wow an hour we're like I'm not even looking at my phone what am I gonna what am I supposed to do now um but I think that kind of like forcing you and twisting, kind of twisting your arm into, into doing something else, whether it's, you know, I don't know, maybe you have a secret talent and you're secretly a great painter. You just haven't figured it <laughs> out yet doing that or just spending your time watching paint dry on a wall. I think either forcing yourself to be comfortable without your phone for just a little bit, I think is a really good practice. And it's funny, you know, when you, when you, you know, I, I just think about how people even 15 years ago would have heard this conversation, you know, the iPhone came out about 15 years ago, maybe less. And they would have no comprehension for the fact that this phone thing we're talking about that isn't just something you call people on, you know, that it would that it would have this kind of power over us like Mm -hmm. 15 years. And think about how long the history of the world is. Right. And how people have gotten by just fine without them. And, uh, it's a dystopian reality almost. It is. Mm -hmm. It is. And it it makes me think more and more that the, the term addiction is appropriate. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. You guys are both nodding your heads, but that's yeah. that's uh, that seems to me like a fair kind of assessment. And uh, I don't know. It just makes me think like maybe part of belonging to the way of Jesus is about learning to say no to this form of addiction that is like just rampant in our culture today, and learning to live another way, um, as counterculturally as that may be. Yeah. yeah. The Amish had a few things right. I think they did. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, a great conversation today, y'all. If you found this uh, episode to be helpful, share it with a friend, give us a rating or review, and we'll be back next week with another episode as we continue going through the rule of life. See you next time. Adios. What's one song you really like, but you're ashamed to admit it? Oh, then I have to admit it. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Oh, man.